Welcome to the weekly worship podcast from the Presbyterian Church in Morristown, where we pause our busy lives to dig deeper into our faith. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Let's listen to how God might speak to us today, and remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters. Friends, our second reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Throughout this Advent season, we're reading through the entirety of the first chapter of Luke's Gospel. So we're picking up right where we left off last Sunday. This is Luke 1, 24 through 45. Hear God's word to us today. After those days, Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, conceived. And for five months, she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably, favorably upon me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came near to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us and mold us. Fill us and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh now on each one of us. Amen. 
One of the trickier jobs for people with seminary degrees or credentials, especially in ancient biblical Hebrew and Greek, is to translate these holy texts into various other languages, such as the way that they have been translated to, into English, which is a good and helpful thing for most of us, right? It can be especially tricky, though, because sometimes there's just not quite the right word in one language to capture the same meaning of a word in another language. I'm not sure if it was ever like a thing here in New Jersey, but a few years ago in Minnesota, everyone was talking about Huga. Huga, H-Y-G-G-A. It's a Danish word that, according to visitdenmark.com, means creating a warm atmosphere and enjoying the good things in life with good people. The warm glow of candlelight is Huga. Cozying up with a loved one for a movie. That's huga too. Do we have a word for that in English? It's most closely related to the words console or hug, but not exactly quite the same. So sometimes we, we just don't have the right word when translating from one language to another. And, and well, then there are other times when we have to make choices because the same word or the same root of a word can take two different meanings from one language to another. Like in our text, when it says that Mary was perplexed by the angel's words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The, group, the root of the Greek verb diaterake, which gets translated as perplexed. Well, it could mean to be puzzled, to order or to arrange, as if, as if she were trying to put together all of the pieces of what the angel Gabriel was saying. But it could also mean to stir up or to agitate. And I sort of like the idea that Mary, meek and mild, was actually a bit agitated at first by this strange message from this strange messenger. So translators have to make decisions. Is it puzzled? Is it agitated? So they settled on much perplexed. Or take the next P word in that sentence. She pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The Greek word has the same root that gives us the English word dialogue. It's like the internal dialogue that makes you wonder, did I just hear that right? The Lord has found favor with me. It's the same word also that's sometimes translated as deliberate. She deliberated what sort of greeting this might be. Or you could also say that later when Mary replies, Here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. It was deliberate. She was not mindlessly acquiescing to what the angel told her. She had been agitated, perplexed, puzzled. But after pondering, deliberating, she was deliberate in her answer. Yes, let it be with me according to your word. So this business of how things get translated can be pretty interesting, even pretty tricky. And on that note, this whole text 
The whole text can be one of those tricky passages for those of us who who don't speak or write in ancient Hebrew or Greek, not because we can't read the text in its original language, but because modern folk like us, well, to us it appears just weird, (laughs) hard to swallow. The virgin birth, the questions of Mary, questions about what actually happened and how, and maybe most importantly, is it true? It is enough for us to feel agitated, puzzled, perplexed. to to ponder these words. And sadly, the angel Gabriel isn't standing by to tell us these words of comfort that we might long to hear. Don't be afraid. Or even better, for God, nothing is impossible. One well-known seminary professor, Fred Craddock, was said to call that verse the creed behind all other creeds. He said the church should recite it often, not only at the manger, not only at the empty tomb, but on any occasion of reflecting on the church's life and joy and hope for God, nothing will be impossible. That verse, too, raises another important, another tricky dilemma for translators, because sometimes you just want to smooth over the kind of clumsy order that happens when you go word by word. Like if you transliterate it, if you just go word by word from Greek to English, what you would end up with is, for not impossible with God will be everything. You see why they translate it, for God, nothing will be impossible. But I do also sort of like that clumsy, unsmooth order as well. For not impossible with God will be everything. I think what I like about it is the way it puts a negative and a negative right up next to each other. Not impossible. Not im. It's the way that, that well, sometimes like in arithmetic, when you put, put a negative and a negative together, something positive might come from it. For not impossible with God will be everything. Not im. Our theme for this Advent season is the weary world rejoices. And if we are honest, there's a lot of negativity in this weary world. Many of us are intimately familiar with it in in the form of our own inner dialogue, a deliberation bound up in our skepticism and impatience and bitterness and despair. It's the puzzling agitation we carry around inside us that says, you know, some mistakes can never be unmade. Or maybe I'll always be alone. Or why me? Weariness is seemingly everywhere in the, in the precious kernels of calendar that are all that's left of the time for things that really matter. The infighting between families and school boards and state houses, the the, the violence between people we don't even know, but whom we feel connected by their pain and heartache. Not impossible. (laughs) 
say the creed, for not impossible with God will be everything. If we should recite this creed in all of our occasions of life and joy and hope, well, maybe we should whisper it too in all of the occasions when we feel doubtful or empty or weary. What would it feel like on our lips to say it? What would it sound like in our ears to hear it? Not impossible. Not impossible for tomorrow is a new day. Not impossible for these bad policies to change. Not impossible that we can swallow our own pride and open our own hearts and learn to love and forgive and embrace. Not impossible because Jesus comes. Not impossible with God will be everything. Why am I here when I know all of this about myself? Because not impossible. Why are you here knowing perfectly well what is, what is wrong with this weary world? Because not impossible. I like the idea that somehow we show up during Advent bringing all of our, our knots and our ims, and that they clang up next to each other, and that in so doing, all of these negatives might mysteriously produce something positive. Your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Like Hannah, centuries earlier, and and Sarah, centuries before that, Gabriel reminds Mary that she stands in a tradition of impossible pregnancies, for not impossible with God will be everything. Turns out that there are actually two other words that are often associated with that Danish word, huga. Not just console or hug, but also comfort and rejoice. That seems especially appropriate for this second Sunday in Advent, the second week in our theme, The Weary World Rejoices. Is it possible to take the negative, the dark and the cold, weary world with all of its knots and its isms and turn it into something positive? The wonder of Advent is that it invites us to wait, to ponder, and to deliberate, to to stand in the tradition of all of those who have gone before us, asking if that creed behind all creeds could really be true, for nothing will be impossible with God. And blessed is the one who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken by the Lord. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening with us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe. Or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Visit us at www.pcmorristown.org 
or find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook to stay connected with our church. But most of all, remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.